Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two is back. Some of the fun stories in sports don't always work out the way that you want them to. And unfortunately for Joe and I, this Gardner Minshew bet looks like it's heading in that direction. We'll also break down some of the big college football games this hour. Fantasy Sports Today, hour two starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back, Joe Pizapia and Craig Mish with you on Fantasy Sports Today, along with our producer, Sean Guastamacchia. Helping out, as always, is Chris Pavona. You can follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizapia 17 And don't forget, if you're listening live on the FNTSY app, certainly cool. Also on iHeartRadio's app as well. On demand, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Android. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. I'll be back tomorrow on the program at noon. Jamie Eisenberg will join me from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Uh, well, Jacksonville is off this week. And the plug was pulled surprisingly a day ago with Doug Marone announcing that Nick Foles is going to be his starting quarterback moving forward. Uh, Marone, after the game on Sunday, Joe, said that he was going to take a week to decide this one. Apparently, after looking at the film, it was a pretty e- easy decision. <laughs> I, I, did, I did not need to look at the film. Uh, second half of this game was as follows against Houston. Ball hike to Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew takes two seconds, looks around. Uh, starts running around in the backfield and running into his own lineman and just and then throwing the ball and throwing picks. It was just a very sad ending for us. But the interesting story is that a lot of times this happens in sports. We find guys that we can root for. It's actually happening right now in the NBA as well, which we'll get to. But is Gardner Minshew a flash of the pan? I guess right. Like I mean, what's what's the deal with that? Well, I mean, it's it, I'll put it to you this way. It's certainly right now we're going to call it that. Because we don't know if we're ever going to see him again because Nick Foles has owned a ton of money. And if he plays well, it could bury him. And he could be a guy that bumps around in a year from now. Like, oh, dude, guess who the backup on uh, Cleveland is? Oh, my God, it's Gardner Minshew. Oh, cool. You know, and, and that's what we're going to say. But I, I feel like um, there's certainly an opportunity where Foles could also come out and not play well. Or maybe he struggles, I don't know, next year in the preseason or struggles in the first couple of games. And that Minshew mania starts to heat back up. But I feel like more so it lies in some of these other things where we as a, as a sports community, as a sports media community get really excited about something and it just gets red hot and it takes over and we ride the wave. And then the wave kind of basically disappears for better or worse. And that was getting me thinking about some of those great guys in sports that came out of nowhere, had these moments and captured not just the local, but the national media. And the first one was living here in the New York area with the New York Knicks. The Lynn sanity run of Jeremy Lynn was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen in sports where the the smaller Asian basketball player became the biggest star in the city. And it's something, I tell you, you could not walk in Manhattan the block without seeing a Jeremy Lin t-shirt. It was the most amazing thing I ever saw, Craig. Yeah, and there's a guy this year, Joe, I don't know if you've paid attention to this at all, but I'll make you aware of it, and now you can you know kind of watch it move forward, is there is a kid 
that played for Texas A&M that's on the Lakers. I don't know if you've paid attention to this. He was drafted a couple of years ago. His name's Alex Caruso. He's on the Lakers, and he is like their new uh, Lynn. Like, he's a cult hero type. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, white guy. Uh, you know, white guy, kind of like an upstart, hardworking type guy. But he's kind of like a cult hero because he's losing his hair. And if you Google or you take a look at the video, he's become one of the most popular players in L.A. right now because of how hard he works. And uh, and he's been pretty good for them, too. He's like the new it thing in L.A. to go with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But Caruso is a name to uh, keep an eye on. How about any, any other names that you like? Yeah, a couple other names. I mean, look, I know Tim Tebow was a star kind of beforehand in college. But to a certain extent, still, there's college football and then there's NFL football. And the run that he had in the NFL where people were Tebowing. You know, and all this stuff. I mean, it was certainly it was certainly a run, a magical run, and then it just kind of fell apart. Dontrell Willis came to mind too. Dontrell Willis became like a must watch if you were a baseball fan. Like, yeah. oh my god, who's pitching? Dontrell Willis is pitching, and then the, the following he like twenty two games in the following year. And he, he was right great back. for two years. No, he was really good. He was he won the, he was a yeah. uh, runner up for the Cy Young the following year. Oh, this following year he had a three eight nine ERA. So I I didn't realize. I'm pretty he was sure following. he was second in Cy Young. I thought that was the first year. I thought oh, it was second. Yeah, it was second. Okay. Well, Carpenter, I think, won. And then he finished wow, with a 389 ERA. That's surprising. I got to check that. Maybe I'm wrong. I was looking this morning at the second year ERA. Uh, Mark Fidrich was before my time, but certainly as a baseball yeah. guy, you know, I mean, the guy talking to the ball on the mound and all these other things. And I mean, could you imagine a guy like that nowadays in the social media era? I mean, what what kind of insanity that would be? Uh, I'm sure that would be a fun one. Um, trying yeah, to think way, a couple of- going back to Willis, uh, after his rookie year, he had a step back year where his ERA was over four uh, in his second year in 32 starts. Then his third year, he came back. He won 22 games. His ERA was 2.63, and he just and he uh, completed seven games, five shutouts, and was the runner-up to Carpenter for the Cy Young that year. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, Icky Woods, another guy Icky who shuffle. I felt like had his sure. moment, the Icky shuffle, the whole thing, and then they lost the Super Bowl, and after that, I don't remember any Icky Woods. I, I, just, I remember a lot of James Brooks, but I don't remember a lot of Icky Woods after that. Uh, Buster Douglas, certainly, guy in the boxing world. Had his moment. And I remember watching, again, I used to watch a lot of boxing with my grandfather because he was a boxer. So when I was a kid in the 80s into the 90s, he, we always used to watch boxing on the weekends together. And I remember watching that fight. And I remember just the stunned disbelief. And this was before the social media age, too. But it's all anybody could talk about was, did you see that fight? Did you see that fight? And a lot of people didn't. So they I had to watch it. it on the repeat on HBO Sports because nobody saw it. Nobody saw the fight because it was just a random fight, <laughs> like a random Tyson fight getting ready for another championship. Yeah, uh, he he was he was definitely great for one fight, and that was it. I remember I had his Sega Genesis game, but Buster Douglas boxing. Oh my God, that's right. He did have his own boxing game. Wow, that happened fast. That I mean, they they got all that stuff fast, didn't they? When you think about it. Yeah, he within a year he had the rematch with Holyfield, got clobbered, right, and that was it. Yes, he did. He did indeed. But he got paid. He got, he got paid now. Something one. million. Yeah, that's right. So there you go. Uh, Eric Gagne was another one too, where I feel like he kind of well, came out of nowhere. You know what happened with that? So. Well, I know. Well, we, but still came out of nowhere. The glasses, he was a big deal for a short time. He won the Cy Young. Well, how many games did he save? Like 78 million games one year? I <laughs> know, but he was, he was, uh, PED'd up. Yeah, well, so was everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, but like, that guy, that, I mean, that guy was in the Mitchell report. So, I mean, well, I mean, rumors and facts are two different things. And oh, look, sure. But, but look, Gagne, uh, game over Gagne was the guy. He'd come in the game, the look, game was over. I, but you know how I feel about the steroid era in baseball? It was fun. That's that's my take on it. It was fun. It was amusing. It was it it recaptured the national attention. And ever since 
baseball has been, like you said, the second or maybe even third sport sometimes, yeah. depending. Yeah. So, you know, take it what you will. Uh, Kevin Moss was another one. Now, I don't know if this was as big of a deal everywhere else as it was in New York. I remember he was a big but, deal. Yeah. Oh, my God. In it was, New it York, was a bigger there was a bigger New York one than Kevin Moss. Who is it? Who is it in your Greg Jeffries? Oh, God. You know, I was hoping you were going to say that. I I hated Greg Jeffries. As Greg a Jeffries was a much bigger deal than Ke- Kevin Moss was a big deal, but it was that Yankee hype. But Greg Jeffries was the second coming of the first coming, you know? Well, Greg Jeffries certainly had a lot more hype around him, but I I didn't put Greg Jeffries in this list. He never came to my mind because there was a lot of hype leading up to him of he was going to be the guy. And then he had that big, you know, first call up. And then he I'll never forget this one, too. Do you remember he wrote the open letter to the media to be nicer to him? Greg Jeffries? I don't remember. That uh-huh. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. He wrote this is a true story. He wrote an open letter to the fans of the media saying basically, and I'm going to encapsulate here. I'll never forget this either. Again, growing up as a huge Mets fan, he basically asked everybody, hey, guys, look, I'm really trying hard. Please lay off me. And that is about the worst thing you can say Pretty to much. a bunch of people from Brooklyn. That's about the worst thing you can say. Yep, no doubt. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to go through some of the fantasy implications, who's in, who's out, injuries. We'll get back to fantasy football. We come back on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Sports today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing a book because they make me feel good. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia, Dr. Roto is standing by. Thursday's a key day in terms of injuries, and I know a lot of people are interested in the waiver wire, like me, trying to add as million guys as possible, just kind of waiting to see this play out at the end of the week. We got our first football game of the night tonight. Raiders and Chargers will break that, that, that down that game. Excuse me, coming up in a little bit. Struggling there this morning, this afternoon. Where are we? You're always good, Craig Nish. Your struggle is still better than 99% of the other broadcasters. Too out much there. Little League. Little League practice last oh, night. Little God. League game tonight. Little League game Saturday. It is uh, a lot. A lot to How get How many to more here. games on the schedule? here we got six more regular season games joe six more and then, and then playoffs everybody, or no? everybody makes the playoffs so well of course they do it's like <laughs> yeah it's literally and then it's a double elimination so my guess is my <laughs> guess be done is, sometime in 2020 <laughs> no 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 my guess is is that we will win uh one play we'll win a playoff i think i think we're good enough to win a playoff game but i don't know that we're good enough to win it all i think that's well i guess it depends on the seating right yeah, we're not going to be a top random? seed. Yeah, we're not going to be a top seed. Yeah. There's, I think there's eight teams. My guess is we're in the bottom four. Look, get those we're, kids, get those kids out there chanting for each other. Get those kids out there having fun. Get them to do their own handshakes with each other and stupid things like that. Is. Get them to enjoy being out on the field playing ball. And I guarantee you, it will filter over 
And when negative things happen to them on the field, they will pick each other up. It's not an accident. Go look at the Washington Nationals. Look at the stupid things that they did in the World Series in that dugout where they're driving the car and doing all the things. They were playing like a bunch of those Little League World Series kids that have the secret handshakes and the other things, and they were having fun. And it's not a mistake that they were. It's not an accident that they were, and they were winning ball games. You play loose. You have fun. Good things happen in baseball. It's a... Uh... And go sign Rendon. It's, it's a phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Jimmy Rendon, little kid. Though. Little Jimmy Rendon. Hey, Jimmy. All okay. right. Uh, let, let's uh, let's get to some of the, the news and fantasy this week and find out how it'll affect. I think at the top, no question, the report late yesterday, because again, uh, on the West Coast, we get the news. Uh, Joe and I are on the East Coast. We get the news a little bit later that David Johnson, who was pretty emphatic about being back this week for the Arizona Cardinals, which is a phenomenal matchup against Tampa Bay. But I would say that, uh, you know, I don't know that how you could trust anybody on Arizona at this point. I mean, we've seen David Johnson, Chase Edmonds, Kenyon Drake back to back to back all pop off. Edmonds, although, looks to be out this week. In fact, I just cut him in a fantasy league. I, I, I can't hang on to guys that are not playing at this point. I got to try and win. Uh, David Johnson, Joe, I mean, we're, we're waiting on the fantasy promise of him. Three straight years of being a first round pick in fantasy. I think those are gone. I think after the year, maybe he's even gone from Arizona. I'm not even sure, but. That, that's going to be a big fantasy implication for the Drake owner who is thinking I'm going to build off last week in Tampa Bay, certainly the, the matchup that you want this week. But now it comes into question with Johnson being back. It does. Look, here's the thing with DJ. He came out of the gate strong in that first game. Then there were two letdowns in a row. Then after that, he picked it back up very good. And then he had another letdown where he was hurt against the Giants. So if he says he's good to go, that's it. You throw him in there and you believe him. And it's a good matchup in terms of a guy who can catch the football. And David Johnson can. I would not be shocked to see a lot of David Johnson in the slot in this game because I think that really helps them uh, try to move the football against Tampa. The one thing Tampa does very well is stop the run. So if you're going to sacrifice somebody to the run, I think it's Kenyon Drake who you just acquired as a free agent. It's not right. the guy who just came back from injury with a back. I think you're lining him out there as a wide receiver more, and you're trying to utilize him that way. Or you go to the two back sets where you run him out there on some screens and some other stuff. So I would be very foolish to have him just run the football down everybody's throat. But I do think in this game against the Bucs, they are going to get him the football. So you got to throw him out there, especially on the short body. There's no choice. All right. So uh, let's go to the Minnesota game because th- it was really interesting the way that this played out last week. And I wonder what the script will be for the wide receivers this week because, uh, look, Cousins has had some real stinkers early on in the year. And then, of course, he came on right after we basically were trying to figure out what was wrong with him. And he's been a very solid 252 touchdown guy. But somehow, even without Thielen, Diggs didn't do anything last week. It were some unknown guys at wide receiver. What plays out this week with Minnesota this week? Well, look, I, I think you throw that out last week and I think you expect Diggs to rebound again and uh, you have no choice again this is the spot you're in you've committed to Diggs Diggs has had some great moments you look at the overall numbers they're there yeah they're there in bunches but that's who he is that's always kind of always been so this is why Diggs was not the ideal guy if you faded wide receiver to have be your anchor at the position that's why you, you, he's more of a number two because he's the guy that goes off and, and that was always my thing with Amari Cooper too I didn't like Cooper as my one because the track record told me he'd have games with 150 and then games with 50, and that just doesn't cut it for me when I'm trying to figure out where I'm going with my wide receiver anchor at number one. And that's the problem with Diggs. I do think Diggs will be here in this game. Uh, I think you can not worry about that. I kind of struggle, though, to see who else really eats in this passing game. Uh, I just I feel like you just kind of throw your hands up. I If they're smart, Craig, wouldn't you just basically make this a Dalvin Cook light show? Like, wouldn't you just say, hey, man, put can. the ball in this guy's hands, and this is how we win? Yeah, I mean, if you can, I, I wonder why Irv Smith hasn't really progressed enough with Minnesota. He was a really good uh, 
tight end slash receiver in college. I, I thought that he would be a little bit part of their game plan, but it really hasn't worked out. I think he will next year. They got to just, I think, move on from Rudolph at some point. Uh, well, okay, so now let's go to Cincinnati here for a minute. I mentioned that I, I kind of like them this week against Baltimore in a bounce back spot, although I really have no clue what this kid Finley is going to be. But what about these reports with A.J. Green? Really bizarre. I, I personally don't think he plays a game the rest of the season, but it was uh, about a two-hour window yesterday, Joe, where we where it was looking really good <laughs> for A.J. Green to play. There was a report that he was on the field, he was playing, then he came off and said he wasn't feeling good or something. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> this, this smells like a zero games played for me this year. My belly hurts. <laughs> He's not going to play at all, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I Why, why would don't he? Know. <sighs> you're right why would he i don't know i don't know the answer to this question and um does he need all service time is, to become a free agent if they, if he doesn't that makes sense other than that oh, no it's a good question I, I i don't know i don't know man this is very weird unless he's just teasing them and are they having backdoor negotiations right now and you know he's out there and he's you know playing a little bit and his agent's like ah, you know what come off the field because things aren't going well that could be it too could right be. i mean stranger things have happened that's to me that would be my guess it feels like the Trent Williams situation in Washington almost, you know, like I think he comes back and he's on the active roster, but doesn't really play. I just don't see any positive reason for him. Uh, Devontae Adams is limited in practice for the Packers. Joe, the wide receiving situation for Green Bay has been a disaster since day one outside of Adams. It's like Aaron Jones has been their best receiver this year. How can you trust anyone outside of Adams? Valdez Scantling, Geronimo Allison. Uh, people who were throwing darts at those two wide receivers at the beginning of the season, raise your hand because you're wrong on all of them. None of them have been good. Uh, Lazard was good for a week. The Kumaro catches some touchdowns. I, I don't know how the Packers go deep into the postseason. I know. I, I Listen, playoffs are about running the football. I get it. But at some point, you have to have some reliable wide receiver. If Adams isn't 100% healthy, they have nothing. No. Look, I, I think... I think Adams bounces back. I mean, it's it's just look. Whenever Aaron Rodgers has a bad game, you just you just go okay. He had a bad game, and then you get right. And I know everyone's upset because you're waiting for Adams to get healthy and get on the field, and he gets on the field, and then Rodgers can't have enough time to throw the football. It's not going to be the case this week, so I wouldn't worry about it. I, just, right. I mean, I'd like to make more of the situation, but I think this is one of those okay. non-factors. Like you just go okay. And finally, O.J. Howard, Chris Herndon, two back-end uh, tight ends show <laughs> that were supposed to be somewhat of a factor this week. Herndon was a very popular pickup a few weeks ago. We know that O.J. Howard has been the biggest tight end bust of the season, but there's still eight games left. Like, if he did anything, it would be nice. But any faith at all in these two guys either playing or participating in any fantasy contribution this week? No, I don't think he can. I, I you know, it's it's very difficult. And uh, like you said, you know, earlier, we kind of touched on that tight end position. It's it's rough out there, kids. It's rough out there at the tight end if you didn't hit dirt on one of these guys. But I know Herndon was somebody that people really liked. And all of a sudden you see Griffin these last couple of weeks, right? And you see yeah, Ryan Griffin kind of yeah. being in, involved. And I don't know, man, I just I feel like you just kind of throw your hands up and, and say sometimes you get it wrong. I remember a couple of years ago, too, at the tight end position uh, where everybody thought, a good preseason, everything. Austin Safarian Jenkins was going to be a thing. You remember that? And then he wasn't. He oh, wasn't. Yeah. It, you know, but there are a lot of things that are lined up where you go, hey, this guy's got talent. This guy's, you know, clean now, or this guy's healthy now, or all these things. And sometimes all the logic stacks right, but it just doesn't materialize in the field. And this is why I think people should pay so much attention to making sure when you draft, you're drafting assets early that you believe in, that you see very little in terms of downside you know guys that are proving guys that know it it's hard to go out there on a limb in the first four rounds of a draft because you open yourself up to damian williams 
All right, we'll take a quick timeout here on Fantasy Sports Today. When we come back next, it's time to dive back into some college football mega games this week on the slate. Fantasy Sports Today, John Love, the Gridiron Scholar, joins us next with some DFS options and, of course, the Alabama-LSU game. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. Man, we've talked enough NFL. It's time to get into the college football landscape. And who better to do that with this week than with the gridiron scholar John Lobb, who joins us now here on the show. Of course, we'll get to some DFS options. Of course, we'll get to some under-the-radar sleepers. But we're going to start with the big one, the biggest football game in 2019. I guess going back to college football's last championship in January, this is the next big one. And here we go. Actually, two huge games this week, but let's get to the big one. John, Alabama, LSU, the world wants to know what's going to happen in this game. Thanks for coming on the show once again. Happy Thursday to you, and we'll, we'll touch on the entire schedule. But as you know, John, this is the biggest game of the year, no question. You could say it's number three versus number four in terms of the playoff ranking. But let's be honest, it's probably the two best teams in the country squaring off on Saturday. Thanks for coming on. Oh, no problem. And I am so excited. I asked my wife for the afternoon off. She's going to allow me. I've cleared my slate. I am excited to watch the Tigers and the Crimson Tide. It is the game of the year. I mean, now the games mean so much from now until the end of the season. Then you get the um, championship games. It's just terrific time of the year to watch college football. Yeah, and, and they'll play this game at 3.30 Eastern, I, I guess. Uh, there's some thought process that a percentage of the television viewing would have went to Notre Dame, crazily enough, against Navy. I guess Notre Dame around the country does very well on NBC, and so they're playing this game on three at 3.30 Eastern. Uh, right now, the line says Alabama either minus 5.5 or 6. It opened up 6.5. There's been some money that's come in on LSU, and the total for this game is the highest I can ever remember it, 65. So there's a lot of points expected in this game. I would love your opinion and analysis on this game because, John, it seems to me everyone is taking LSU, which points to me Alabama wins. But I don't know. How do you see this game playing out on Saturday? So it's very fascinating because I was looking at some history, and LSU has lost the last nine games to Alabama. And do you remember they had that Saturday night game, 9-6, to six, and then yep. Alabama played them again and won 21 to nothing in the championship game? I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yes, awesome. I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alabama has dominated this series. So I do expect LSU to bounce back here and play well. And what is so exciting, we are talking about the Tigers have the fourth best offense in the nation in total offense 
averaging 535 yards per game. I mean, we're really looking at two teams that normally I discuss like in the Sun Belt Conference or the American Athletic Conference. I mean, they are just explosive offense. LSU has finally gotten out of that Neanderthal offense running between the tackles and trying to grind. They have allowed their athletes at wide receiver to just dominate the game deep down the field. But obviously, the biggest riser in the NFL draft that I can remember in a while is Joe Burrow. I mean, people are talking about him as number one draft pick in the nation. I'm not ready to go there yet. But, man, has his season been so impressive. He's second in the nation in passing yards of 2,805, second in touchdown passes. He's only trailing Anthony Gordon of Washington State. Yes, that is Mike Leach's quarterback in the air raid offense. So you think about where LSU has come in such a short period of time, and they just have so much firepower. And it's kind of interesting because I don't think Alabama is as good in the back end as they have been. Now, obviously, the Crimson Tide are still good in the secondary. But, you know, we're talking about a team that you annually have, like, you know, two or three prospects in the first two rounds. I don't see that with the Crimson Tide. So I think this is going to be fascinating. How is Nick Saban and the defensive coaches going to slow down the wide receivers of LSU? I tend to like LSU in this game. But, you know, it is scary when the number's going the other direction. It concerns me a little bit, Craig. So um, so which side are you going to take here? So right now I'm taking LSU. I, but if it goes to like four and a half or five, I'd be on Alabama. Got to take Alabama I, at that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I mean, so when I looked at the line on Tuesday, it was six and a half, and it keeps coming down. Which right, so that does concern me a little bit. And I will say this: the more I read about Tua being healthy, I will admit that I am more intrigued by the Crimson Tide because it is on the other side of the field. How are the Tigers going to slow down this Alabama wide receivers? I mean, you're looking at Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. I mean, they go four deep, which is unbelievable. That here we are talking about. These two teams that a decade ago just pretty much ran between the tackles. And I, you know, you can make an argument. There's going to be three first-round wide receivers drafted from this game alone. That's how good the receivers are. So the more I look at Alabama, if it gets down to four and a half, I'm probably going to go Crimson Tide. But right now I like the Tigers as long as it's five and a half or above. John Lobb is with us. Um, is it is it safe to say – that if LSU wins, Burrow is the Heisman Trophy winner? Is that a foregone conclusion? I, I think if Tua wins, he could win the Heisman, but Burrow would still you know, be in the conversation, I guess. But some people feel like if LSU wins, Burrow is the guy and that's it. I would say yes. If Burrow comes out and wins this football game with the numbers that he's putting up, he has basically cemented the Heisman. Now, I will say last year, I thought Tua had it locked up. And hit the very last second, Kyler Murray played better. Tua lost the game. He got hurt. But if Burrow wins tomorrow, I'd say there's a 90% chance that Joe Burrow wins the Heisman in 2019. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think the Heisman probably comes out of this game, but definitely in the case of Burrow, no question. Uh, the other game that no one is really talking about because of how big the Alabama-LSU game is, there is potentially a playoff spot on the line here between Penn State and Minnesota. 
on Saturday with uh, the Nittany Lions traveling to take on the Gophers. They're going to play in the Viking Stadium. Of course, it's like 60,000 people are going to be there. It's the biggest game in the history of the Golden Gophers, no question, but not a lot of love on the oddsmakers side. Penn State is a seven-point favorite in this game. Uh, Minnesota undefeated, John. Penn State undefeated. Minnesota probably still on the outside looking in, even if they win this game. They'll need a lot of help to get in that Final Four. P.J. Fleck got a contract extension, which which guarantees that he'll be there for the next handful of years if he's a college coach. Of course, if the pros come calling, John, then, then Fleck could leave. How do you see this game on Saturday? Is is the crowd and all that a factor here? Or do you just look at the schedule and say Minnesota hasn't played anybody and this is their first test? Tough one to call. It is very tough to call. And I enjoy watching the Golden Gophers. And I do like these types of stories. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm older and I kind of like the underdog coming from nowhere. And you know what? The Golden Gophers have been very kind to college fantasy football fans this year because they were wildly underpriced and they've been overperforming. So you have two teams that have combined for 16-0. and 0. The line is fascinating because I do think there are so many Nittany Lions fans across the nation. I would have thought that on the road, Penn State would be about a five-point favorite. But they're a seven-point favorite. I think people are underestimating Minnesota. Now, I do think Penn State's going to win. But if you look at the statistics that P.J. left, and this offense is put up this year, I mean, their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, is 18 touchdowns and only four interceptions. But what has really been spectacular, their running back, Rodney Smith, has 889 yards rushing, and he has seven touchdowns and averaging five-point yards per carry. What Penn State's got to worry about, <clears throat> they have two very good wide receivers, Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. I have a second-round grade on Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver. He can be spectacular at times. And Rashad Bateman benefits because he's always getting the easier assignment as far as who is covering him. But these two wide receivers can make plays happen. And what also, sometimes I get a little concerned, Craig, you have a sophomore quarterback at Penn State, you know, and he's traveling on the road, Sean Clifford. Now, he's gone 8-0, and and he's had a spectacular season. So far exceeded anything that I expected, 20 touchdowns and only three interceptions. So he has really performed well. But you're talking about a young man who's going into the road, and you just mentioned they expect over 60,000 at Minnesota. I don't ever remember that type of crowd seeing a game with the Golden Gophers. If the Golden Gophers can jump out to an early lead, somehow get a 7-0 lead with that home crowd, I think they have a chance here. I actually like Minnesota plus 7. I'll take the home team here because I think they can rattle this young quarterback. But I've been surprised all year at Penn State. But I do think Minnesota is better than people are giving them credit for. Yeah, I mean, it, it is Penn State's defense here. I mean, this is this is it. Like, this goes back to... Probably the last time they had this kind of defense, John, was when they had Tom Bahali and Puzlozny, like the last time that, uh, you know, maybe even with Paterno being there. I mean, it goes back yeah. that far that, you know, Penn State's been doing it off their offense with Barkley and some of the other great players that they've had offensively. They just haven't had this kind of defense and they have it this week. Uh, OK, before we go, John, uh, those are the two big games. Obviously, we wanted to spend a lot of times on that. We got about a minute to go. Is there anything else that you're keeping an eye on in college this week? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely... Um, let's, oh, I'm sorry, Craig. I just lost something. Um, let's see. I definitely like Baylor TCU this week. 
Um, Kansas State, Texas is very interesting. I'm going to be watching that one closely. And I think one of the big games in the ACC, Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. We have a 61 and a half over under. Yeah, it's a high total. Yeah, they're a three-point favorite. And if Wake Forest wants to really get into a big bowl game, they obviously have the Tiger and Clemson in front of them. But this is a game they have to win on the road. Yeah, no doubt. Wake Forest, uh, big win last week against NC State. Virginia Tech almost pulled off that upset. They've been a nice surprise lately, uh, coming on strong against Notre Dame. But Virginia Tech to to be in a New Year's Day bowl game, they're going to have to win this game as well. All right, John, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll uh, catch up next week. We'll see where the college football playoff lands and see who ends up winning this big game this weekend. I'll definitely be watching it along with you. Have a great weekend. You too, my friends. Enjoy the football, everyone. All right, John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar, with us here on Fantasy Sports Today. When we come back, we'll preview the Thursday night football game and also dive into some of the Thursday night football props right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. Great breakdown from John on the Alabama LSU game. Penn State, Minnesota should be two exciting games this week. The world will be watching, certainly 3.30 Eastern. I'm going to have to make sure my day is set. Uh, 3.30, I'll be watching that game as well. Can't wait to see who comes out of that one. We'll be talking about it here on Monday, no doubt. But tonight, Joe... We've got a Thursday night football game, so you know what that means. We need a we need a pick here for tonight. The Chargers are minus one at the Raiders. Boy, I, I thought the Raiders looked like a great pick when I first saw this line come out, and then I noticed uh, that at least what you know, a lot of the discussion is, Joe, is that the difference when Melvin Ingram is in the game for the Chargers versus when he's not in. Uh, is a huge factor here. So, so man, I kind of went off the Raiders a little bit and then went and looked at the total and thought, okay, if the Chargers are going to play much better defensively, then perhaps this total is too high at 49 and a half. I liked the over last week, so that hit. That was good for me. I think I'm going back to the under here in this game. I really want to believe, Joe, that the Raiders can win this thing. I don't know what to make of the Chargers. They always seem to falter late in games, but the Raiders are also tough to trust. They've come up big the last couple of weeks, and they've covered and won. What do you think about tonight's game? Minus one. Chargers minus one at Oakland. And the total, 49 and a half. It is tough. It is really tough. As I said before, I think the Chargers find a way to pull this out. I think that the I'm rooting for the Raiders, as I've made no allusions to here on the program. I definitely said I'm rooting for them. I do think the Chargers pull this out. I think it's uh, from a betting standpoint, though, I think it would be wise to bet the Raiders here. Uh, I have a question for you. If this goes over, who's the winning team here? If it goes over the 49 and a half, who wins this football game? If it went over, mm-hmm. um, I think the Chargers. 
I agree. So if you think it's the under, then why would you be betting the Chargers? I guess uh, that's I'm not my logic. Chargers. Okay, I'm that's not. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying yeah, you know. I'm not doing anything. I just <laughs> on, on the on the on the uh, side, but I I think I think the game goes under. I think that these two teams. I think with Wizenhunt out and with Ingram playing and more of an emphasis on Gordon. Huh. that that leads me to believe less points are coming the way of the Chargers. And from a Raiders point of view, I don't think that they can get into a shootout to win this game. I see a lot of Jacobs in this game. It's a 23-21 kind of game. Don't you feel like that kind of? I, I do. Uh, I am worried that the Raiders will not be able to stop the Chargers. That will be the concern for me. But I'm hoping that Last week is a little bit of a mirage where basically every time the Lions and Raiders got in the red zone, they scored. They put sixes up. I don't think that that's sustainable. And basically what you would be looking at for this to go over is probably seven touchdowns in this game. Seven times seven. That's a 49 spot. I think it's less than that. So I'm going to go under that total. The line did go back up to 49 and a half. I'm seeing some 49 and some 48, but. I, I want to believe the Raiders and I want to take the Raiders and I think they're the better team and the Chargers always find a way to mess things up. But uh, <laughs> but they, they played so well against Green Bay last week in a very tough spot that I'm going to just uh, go under in this game tonight. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I certainly do. So you're I'll tell you what, though. The Chargers, is that the final straw? Here or no? I think the final straw here, here is as we're as we're kind of got to make it, some pick of some kind. No, I know. Well, I'm. I, we're talking it out. That's what we do. That's what good relationships are about. You we want the Raiders out. to win. You think the I Chargers want the Raiders are going to win. You feel Chargers like it could go win. over, but one of those three sides, you got to pick. I'm going to pick a side. I'm going to have some fun here. I'm going to go with the heart and not the head. I'm going to go with the Oakland Raiders okay, plus continuing the to shock the world. Yeah, okay. there we go. All right. So maybe it's 24, 23. Because I think you you make a better argument for the under. And I do believe the under means a, an Oakland victory. And if I believe in an Oakland victory, then that's it. There it is. It's basically a pick them anyway. I, I, I kind of like uh, I, I would go back to when Oakland played against uh, Chicago Oakland's good start got off to a strong running game and they only had 21 at the half. And that was the magic game for Oakland to be beating a team like that. So I think that it's it kind of falls into that scenario. And then Oakland tries to run the ball late and hopefully carries themselves to a win. But look, you know, Chargers, they if, if River starts throwing deep to Williams and Allen, it's going to be a long day for Oakland and the game is going to go over too. so hopefully not. But that will be our. Uh, Opinion on this game. All right, now to the props. Uh, let's go. These are courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook. Philip Rivers, 298.5 passing yards, Joe. Over, under. I'm going to go under on this one. I'm going to go under. I do think that commitment to the run is there. I think that would be the smart approach here, especially on a short week. Uh, I think you go out there, you try to run the football, try to be successful, run a little play action. Keaton now is not 100%, so I'm going to go with the under on the 298.5. All right. Uh, cars, 250.5. and a half. I'll go under on Rivers and Carr. Uh, I agree. Uh, this is a tough one because I think it's going to be right around there. So I'm going to go the under as well. I think Josh Jacobs, same thing. Look, this offense runs out of Josh Jacobs first and foremost. So if they're utilizing him properly and they're doing the you know the proper execution there with the run game, it's hard to imagine Carr's going to throw over for 250. And I that would also mean that the Chargers would be really aggressive and they'd be playing catch up and all that stuff. And I just don't see that happening. So give me the under 250 as well. Gordon, 54 and a half rush yards over. 
this is an easy over for me. I have no qualms about this one. Yeah, I, I think he goes over. I also don't know why Eckler's number is so low. I want to go over on this also. I, I, I know he had a bad game last week, but in nine weeks, has Eckler gone under 22 and a half rushing yards more than once or twice? Uh, I'll have to pull up that. I'll, I'll pull that up there. on the game I, loss, I mean, but... look, a lot of it was Gordon not there. But even with Gordon, I feel like, I mean, one rush for 15 yards. I, I mean, this could be my favorite one of all. I'm going to go over 22 and a half yards, even if Eckler gets 35 yards. That's a disappointment for him, but fine. All right. for a bet. Do you just want to know the rushing yards since he's been back or what? Sure. OK, since he's been back um, now, nah, they, they surprisingly under. So the last big game he had was, well, he had 70, obviously, against Green Bay last week on the ground. Eckler before did? that, Eckler did. Yeah, okay. Austin okay. Eckler. Before uh-huh. that, three rushing yards, seven rushing yards, 14 rushing yards, seven. Hmm. So maybe the wow. 22 is actually, uh, maybe you should, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should fair. all. Yeah, well, you know what happens as fantasy people? We get just caught up in the all-purpose yardage, and we don't always yeah, it's true. remember where it came from. I think that's what's happening there. So maybe I'm the under is actually over. good. I'm still going over on it. I don't care. Uh, I'm going to take J- the under then. I'm going okay. to go the other way on that one. Okay, Jacob's 80 and a half. Over. I feel that way too. Especially uh, because they're going to be blitzing from the corners there, and you want to run that ball up the middle, and you want to try to slow that down a little bit. Only an injury would, would destroy us in this one. Uh, Keenan Allen, 71 and a half. It's been solid unders for the last few weeks, but at some point it's going to go over, right? I'm going to go under here. I just don't think he's healthy enough. Dealing with a lot of injuries, I'll, I'll a lot of things over. here. I'll go over. Uh, Mike Williams, 57 and a half yards. I'm going to go over. I think it's the Mike Williams game tonight. Planting the flag. Okay, I'm gonna. He had a. Did he have a hundred last week? He did, right? Yep, hundred eleven. I think okay. or hundred fourteen. I'll, I'll go the other way on him. I'll go under. Uh, Hunter Henry, sixty six and a half. You have to lay a little bit to go over on this one. It's pretty heavily slanted on the over sixty six. Uh, I'm gonna go on the over because if I'm under on Keenan Allen, I think it's a little over on Henry. Then I think that's the other guy that makes it work. And the linebacking core is not very good. I think on the uh, on the Oakland Raiders from what I've seen this year. So I think you can attack them over the middle. All right, Tyrell Williams, who uh, scored a touchdown in every game, but last week was the first time he did not, and his total is fifty-four and a half. Boy, this is a tough one because you know he he has those you know one catch sixty-yard games. Yeah, this is a, this is a very tricky one. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the under here. I think this is more of an underneath passing game tonight for them. I think Josh Jacobs, a lot of Darren Waller, because Derek Carr is gonna have to get rid of that football quickly, and I don't know if that really plays into Tyrell Williams' strength. Hunter Renfro is number is twenty seven and a half receiving yards. Over, over, over. This guy does play into it, and you're starting to see Hunter Renfro starting to peel up a little bit. He was one of these guys we talked about a lot, is you know one of these sleepers heading into the year, and sometimes it takes guys a little bit of a time to kind of get acclimated to the NFL, get acclimated to the offense. And I think last couple of weeks, you're starting to see a much more comfortable Hunter Renfro and preseason Carr was very, very uh, positive about him. So I think this is a positive trend there. I picked him up in a bunch of deep leagues this past week, and I think he's going to have a nice game here tonight. Darren Waller, 57 and a half receiving yards uh, over because I'm under on Williams. Yeah, yeah Waller's been, terrific. Great all year. Yeah. He really has. He's been a PPR stud. And how about his receptions? It's like minus 140 on the over also. Uh, four and a half is his number here. I'm going to all over. I think over. Too. Okay. I think we're looking at an eight catch. We're going to eight. We're going to, again, this is a game I think tonight. It's about the tight ends and the run game. I think that's where we're at here. Okay. Uh, Rivers' pass attempts is 37 and a half in this game tonight. 
Right a there. Tough, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I would pass on it, obviously. But you, you can. You don't. I mean, you could just say I don't like it. No, that's no fun. That's the fun. No, I but that, that's what betting is. You don't want to give well, bad advice. Okay. I'm saying I'm passing on this one. Okay. And cars pass attempts 33 and a half. This seems high, no? You know what? It, it seems high, except for the fact that if you figure Waller for 10, Jacobs for six or seven receptions for ten Waller. No, that's too high. Why ten receptions? How many times have you done that? This I, year? Twice all year. I'll I'll pull it up now. I Listen, you, Vegas is not setting a line, Joe, a four and a half for it to be ten. So let's say seven for Waller. Okay, uh, let's say five for Renfro. That's that's twelve. Uh, Williams. Let's. Give He's five. only gone over it once. He's been at seven though a bunch of times. So. Yeah, so give him seven. Give him eight. Give him eight. Well, eight okay, for Waller, eight. five for Renfro. That's thirteen. Five for Tyrell Williams. That's eighteen. Uh, am I missing somebody on Oakland? Is there another receiver there? No. So I mean, eighteen. So that's eighteen 60%. catches. That's right. Eighteen. 18 catches. I'm saying eighteen catches. So you got to think. Right. Let's say Richard. Let's say Richard gets two. That's twenty. Let's say Jacobs gets two. That's twenty-two. Uh, give a random three more receptions to other people. That's uh, 25. Uh, I mean, it's we're still right around this number. I mean, th- it could be 31, 32. I'm going to go under. I, I think it's too high. I think I'll go under, too, because it's Thursday night, and there's always a little bit of sloppy sloppy on Thursday. Okay, so there you go. Uh, that is our Thursday night football preview. Uh, real quick, Joe, before we uh, go over to Exit Velocity, Antonio Brown meeting with the NFL uh, over under Antonio Brown games played rest of the season point five over under 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 season. that how about I how do about think he plays how about yeah I agree with you too you know the Chargers are one of those teams that they're talking about really yeah yeah that's fascinating you know yeah. I I kind of throw this out there too do you think that you know when you're looking at Antonio Brown let's say let's say he signs with let's just keep hypothetically going on this rumor, right? He goes and signs with the chargers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've got a very capable quarterback. Yeah. Got a good scenario there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where would you then put him in terms of fantasy round? Would you w- go a third round pick on them? Or is that too high considering all the secondary? I, things uh, a, that is what I was going to say. I would say I want three players before I take that chance. Okay. So fourth round. Yeah, okay. I, here's I, would, the last I, I would not go. I would not. I would have to have three guys before I take him. I would not want him as my third guy. How was, uh, what do you think of, um, if the Patriots still had Antonio Brown right now, what do you think of the Patriots overall in terms of their offense and defense combined right now? Because it's clear that they're lacking that weapon on offense and Antonio Brown could have been I have to be more specific with this question. Well, I'm just saying, like, right now, I think what's the deficit of the Patriots is the offense. Do you think that they would have lost that football game against Baltimore if they had Mm -hmm. Antonio Brown still? I don't think that would have made a difference. I think Brown, uh, if Brown would have played... Uh, a total of 12 games with New England. I think he would have had eight to 10 touchdowns. And I mean, they, they do a really good job of spreading it around. So there would have been a Brown game. There would have been an Edelman game. There would have been a, a maybe they would have got some new, maybe not. I mean, Brown, uh, they'd have the same record, I think. I don't think I don't think it'd be much different. They'd be better in the playoffs having him than not. All right, uh, we got our two-minute drill coming up next. Don't go away. Well. 
NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today as we end the show. It is the two-minute drill, but I got something on baseball here as we end the program. This is the two-minute drill. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? All right, we'll end the program today with the MLBA, MLBPA president, Tony Clark, who I uh, like very much, but coming out with this uh, interesting report and quotes from Alex Anthopoulos saying that Alex Anthopoulos in an interview said that he had spoken to a lot of the other executives in baseball just to kind of get a gauge as to how they saw the winter or some potential players. And this is some form of collusion. Wow, I don't get this one at all. I, I feel like that is just a general manager doing their job. Remember, these guys are friends, too. It's a fraternity. There are 30 guys that are all doing one job, which is trying to make their team better and getting a gauge as to how they can help their team get better by speaking to these other teams. Don't think for a second that these general managers and presidents are trying to be sneaky, or at least all of them, by getting over on their their adversaries. That's not how this works. They're trying to make deals that work for both sides. This is not like fantasy sports where you're trying to get a guy that another player doesn't know about. Certainly that happens at the minor league level, but on all levels, it's trying to make a deal and shake hands and feeling good about both sides, not getting over on somebody else. That's not how baseball works. And that's what these guys are trying to do. They're not trying to collude. I mean, maybe there is collusion in baseball. I don't know the answer to that, but certainly using this as the example to me is a poor choice and I just don't get it at all. Thanks again to John Lobb coming on the program. Really appreciate him and our producer today, as always, Sean Glastamakia. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Jamie Eisenberg will join us on the show as we head toward the fantasy football and college football weekend. Have a great day, everybody. Dr. Roto is up next in full-time fantasy. Talk to you tomorrow at noon. See ya.